You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Downers, welcome back to the show. I've got a cool one for you today, and we're going to talk about some guitar playing, music theory, modes, learning, education, the internet, all those things, all super fun stuff. Uh, I don't do music all the time on this podcast, but it sure is nice to get back into that and doing that instead of, you know, all the more serious stuff in the world. It's fun to get kind of granular and get into music. And I know a lot of you guys like that stuff too. So I think you'll like this episode. I'm talking to Steve Stein. Steve is what's known as, you can find popularly on the internet, as the world's most, uh, the the what is it? I don't, I don't want to say it right, but some people say he's the premier guitar teacher in the world. Um, he is incredibly uh, good at speaking and he cares a ton about teaching itself he's just not he's not you know it's it's really inspiring to listen to him talk and i really enjoyed our conversation i think you will too he does online lessons now and videos at guitarzoom.com so you could check that out and see what he looks like and what he what his style is and stuff like that but he's got some really good youtube videos that i had seen and stumbled on and got sent to me and i just uh I don't know. Music and music education has always been an interesting topic for me because there's so much of it is terrible and so much of it is good. And as technology and the world changes, the, our ways of doing education continue to change. And, and Steve's doing some really good stuff and it's very fun to talk to. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. Um, I've got for you guys, in case you haven't been paying attention, some really cool Emory tour dates coming up. We're playing in Nashville. It's coming up on about a week and a half now. We've got a big show at Rocket Town in Nashville. That's the 27th of January, Saturday. There are still tickets available. Emory, As Cities Burn, and King's Kaleidoscope, and Derek Minor. That's attached to the Bad Christian Conference that's going on that weekend that is sold out. But you can come to the concert, meet a bunch of those people, and see a magnificent show that we're then going to take on the road a couple of a few days later. We're going to Atlanta, Orlando, Tampa, Miami, and Jacksonville with Emory and As Cities Burn. So please go get your tickets for those right now. Get them in advance. I believe some of these will sell out. You know, you know how it goes. We have VIP packages there too where we can hang out or we'll do some acoustic songs and some fun stuff there too. Emorymusic.com is where you get those. And then lastly, I'm going to tell you, Rockabilia. That is where you want to go. I'm telling you what you should do, as a matter of fact. Go to Rockabilia and get a beanie. Beanies are often an overlooked kind of a merch item. And this is a good time of year for a beanie because it is cold everywhere and they've got everything over there uh you know don't sleep on hip-hop and electronic music merch it's not all just for rock bands you can get an asap mob shirt or uh, uh i'm sorry hoodie or dead mouse hoodie doesn't matter what kind of music it is and of course if you like you know motorhead mastodon that kind of thing nirvana the ramones Get you, yeah, there's plenty of plenty of stuff over there. Get you a beanie. Uh, Rockabilia has been around since 1987. It used to be a magazine. Now it's more focused online, but it's official licensed merch across the board for everybody. Good gifts. And if you use the promo code PC Break It Down, you get 15% off anything you order. All right, let's talk to Steve Stein. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 
of all, I'll just introduce myself to you just so you have a frame of reference. But uh, I'm a guitar player. I've been playing in a band, touring for 15 years. Uh, got a music degree, studied guitar in college. Uh, I've always been in love with music theory. And I teach guitar lessons here and there. I've always really enjoyed sitting down with a, an individual and going over stuff. I love to talk about how music works more than anything and sure. i do a lesson sometimes uh with my patreon supporters two or three of them at a time over skype or something like that but i've never been a professional guitar teacher although i've sure. thought about it because i kind of enjoy it but when i was in music school uh studying music theory for instance or taking guitar lessons and i took them a handful of times growing up i tell you the thing that drove me crazy mentally i would think about the guitar teacher or the music theory teacher and they would have to sit there at the beginning of the semester and babysit people unbelievable <laughs> like we're going to start with the treble clef and the, the spaces and the, on the lines and here's the and then you go through painstakingly and by the end of the semester you've got people you know maybe building chords or doing things or you know maybe i've learned after a, a bunch of guitar lessons maybe you get a student who's fluent in the scale and i'm talking about starting with beginners and, and low level people of course sure and then the semester ends and that teacher has to start over with, this is the treble cliff. And, I, and so when I think about all that you've accomplished and all that you do, I've never understood how somebody could stay, could stay refreshed enough to stay so excited and involved in teaching as you do. And I just, I don't understand that. So tell me from your point of view how it's not endlessly frustrating to have to start over all the time with people okay. and say the most basic things. <laughs> That is great. You know, it. there's two things to that, I'll tell you. Number one is for all those people that go, wow, you know, you now my, my, my career is different now than it was five years ago. But mm -hmm. if we go back five years, I spent 20 some years literally teaching guitar lessons every moment that I wasn't doing. You know, I had an incredible amount of jobs at, at one point in time and I was playing in six different bands and and all kinds of stuff. But I've always taught guitar lessons since I was 17. So the one thing that people will always say was, well, is always, well, you, you get to play guitar all day. You get paid to play guitar. But what they don't realize is what you just said. You're mm -hmm. playing like G and D and E minor chords <laughs> eight hours a day, you know. So you're not really getting your practice in. You still have to go home and do your own thing. Mm -hmm. But to be honest with you, it's always been for me, and I, I, I hate to be cheesy about this, but... It, it isn't about, the lessons were never about me. It was always about, you know, I wasn't a player that taught on the side to make money. I really thoroughly enjoy teaching people and I enjoy when they get it. Uh -huh. The light bulb theory, when all of a sudden something makes sense to them and they get this smile on their face, whether it's a kid or an adult, and something's making sense and they get excited and they continue continue forward mm -hmm. that's what it's always been for me even even now in in a you know kind of a different light that i'm doing with lessons now but that's what it's all about is is really getting people to enjoy playing and trying to make it so it isn't so mundane mm -hmm. you know so they they keep picking it up day after day and, and keep at it so well see that is on the side of a cheesy answer but there's no way that's not true because there's no way you could 
do what you had had done for 20 years like that if it weren't absolutely true so whether it's cheesy or not is beside the point that's why cliches get the way they get because they're sure. they're true and then they get you know said many many times but you uh so is that that's the the thing for you is must be then the ratio the amount the effectiveness of a guitar teacher and how often they're able to elicit that light bulb moment must be a really important thing if you're a bad teacher you never get to see it <laughs> that quit. is correct that is correct and and you know making sure that the lesson isn't about how well I play, mm-hmm. it's about how well they play. And so it's, it's you know, I've always thought like I was, a, a, I don't know if you know what Montessori education is, but I, I was a Montessori instructor for 14 years. Oh, seriously? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, and let's I was, do some, um, we'll do some, I mean, I'll keep going on that, but I, I'm kind of interested in almost just education in general, even more than guitar, although we plenty of guitar to talk about but please sure. tell me more about that i'm interested oh yeah well and i and i was a you know professor at a college here uh north dakota state university for a few years and so you know the thing about education is understanding that the the education begins by truly learning to listen mm-hmm. you know you got to listen to regardless if it's a guitar lesson or if it's you know some other kind of uh you know educational forum it's, it's learning how to listen and then responding. So I've always told people, you know, when you teach an instrument like guitar, half of it is motivational speaking and <laughs> half of it is counseling. You know, you're, you're like doing that. a lot of like just learning to listen to people. And when they have a story to tell you, let them tell it and then get, get on to whatever it is that you need to do from there. But they've got to trust you and they've got to trust your direction mm-hmm. and um, you're, you're taking a big chunk of their life away if you're not if you're not doing a just service to them so it's really important to do the right the right thing to each individual so so for you then it's uh when you tell tell me about montessori and and that job and what that education how that how what the philosophy is there because i think that's a good one i have kids and i've considered putting them in it because i really like sure but i haven't put my kids in it but anyway sure uh tell me give people background in that you bet i always think of like montessori education is kind of like Uh, back when my mom would have gone to school and they went to a little schoolhouse and everybody went to the school at the same time. So you had second graders and ninth graders all Mm -hmm. in the same, all in the same building under the same, same roof. And so that's kind of what Montessori is, is Montessori education really comes down to, there's, there's really three instructors. There's the teacher, there's the other students, and then there's the materials in the classroom. And so what makes it different, I mean, there's all kinds of different things that make it different, but one of the large things is that you don't have like a science class where you're sitting at a desk for 45 minutes or 50 minutes, and then you Mm -hmm. head to a math class for 50 minutes. You have freedom to move about the room and use the space as needed. Now, you have certain assignments through the day that you need to get done, and one might be math, and one might be science, and one might be, you know... um, reading or whatever it might be, but you can kind of cater those to your needs. So if a child, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning just isn't a science child, I mean, they need a little time to read first. They need time to kind of wake up their brain before they start hitting the hard stuff. It's okay for them to work on math or work, work on something else, work on social studies or different kinds of things like that. And you don't have desks, you know, you, you may have chairs but the chairs are usually child sized the mm-hmm. tables are child sized mm-hmm. um and then the materials are specific Mont- montessori materials and so they they learn how to take these carpets and lay them out so they've got their own space and then they work on these carpets and i tell you both my children i have a, a 17 year old and a nine year old and mm-hmm. they both went to the montessori school until my 
my 17 year old she was uh, going to ninth grade and it only went through eighth grade. So then we had to convert her over either to public school or um, I had to homeschool her and we, we decided to send her to public school. But she, uh, you know, you learn more than just school skills. You learn social skills. You know, they cook their own meals. Mm-hmm. They wash their own dishes. They vacuum. They take care of the pets that, that are there. You know, there's all kinds of different things like that that they learn above and beyond just simple addition and things like that. Yeah, so. integrated, basically. Yeah, that's um, right. And so the thing about that, yeah, they have kids, you know, they'll teach them to bake cakes and make eggs, or I don't know, not make eggs, but they do stuff like bake cakes and have their own little plates and knives and things that yeah, they I mean, we so had they a do garden. just like adults. That's right. We had a garden in the back. We had uh, chickens in the back. They would take care. So they, they learn a lot of different things. And of course, then, you know, like after lunch, they'd get together, an older child would get together with a younger child and read to the younger child. And then after ask them questions, comprehensive questions. So they learn to work together. So it's not like seventh graders, you know, are better than fifth graders or something like that. They, they learn to work together as, as a, as a group. And, um, you know, what I, I thoroughly miss about working there is, you know, you'd walk in every day and the, the children just absolutely loved seeing you you know they'd come up and give you a hug and you know i taught music lessons there and so you know you just you every day you do what you can to try and give them the best experience that you could you know i just i've i've always been a teacher at heart and uh you know i love playing and i love performing and i love all those things but i think when i when i'm six feet deep people remember me for what i tried to give in terms of education and and just betterment of the way people feel about themselves. That's a, a great uh, self-understanding and f- philosophical way to approach it. And I believe you. I mean, that must just be natural to you, that teaching thing. But, I, you know, this is a little bit of a detour from talking about guitar. But guitar for me is is and music are just a they're just a, a part of learning and education like so this sorry for the tangent, everybody. But I actually think this is the more deeper, important stuff to f- focus on any type of learning to me needs to be. And this just to me. Classroom ain't good for me. No, no surprise. Everybody knows that. But, um, <laughs> but it's not good for a lot of people. But because I believe education and learning, at fact, education is a, is a weird term. Learning is the operative term. I mean, that's what we're supposed right. to be doing is learning. Right. And almost that's all right. learning anybody ever does does not happen from being taught. Being taught is one of the least ways that you learn things. You've got right. five senses on all the time, and your brain going crazy, absorbing information, sorting stuff out, figuring stuff out, curiosity being a factor, all this stuff. And then sometimes somebody will sit you down and tell you something you don't know. And s- most of the time when that happens, it doesn't stick anyway. But sometimes right. it does, and that would account for <laughs> right. the tiny amount of learning you do in your life that included teaching or a classroom or whatever. And that's way overemphasized. But it all starts with curiosity. And that's what I like about so much about music is, me personally, I was able to figure out how it worked by myself, by asking questions or asking a person when I had a question or taking a guitar lesson for a stint of time to fill in gaps of knowledge or accelerate what I was already doing. And so guitar learning is a very, very interesting uh, subset or type of learning because it's so tangible. And everybody that plays guitar, they have all these things in their brain of, I would like to do this. I wish I could do this. I wonder how he does that. I mean, the questions for an attentive student are, are built in and endless. So it's really that's fun right. because you can usually, if you can get somebody to ask a good question, you know, that that's it's you're in great shape because you're about to that's tell right. them an answer, answer that they will learn. 
and retain. Yeah, you know, th- this will go back to what you just said too. You know, I've I've often pondered the 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 answer. You know, well, I taught myself. Uh-huh. You know, people will say, "Well, I taught myself," and I'm not even sure what that really means. I mean, I, I don't. I, I think the true guitar. I, I can only talk guitar because I can't talk other, <laughs> you know, instruments. But I think the true guitar journey isn't just about you know learning chords and then learning scales and then learning theory. There's this whole rock and roll real element of learning how to play you know, a Dead Kennedy song or a Ramones tune mm-hmm. or an ACDC song that that is essential to the journey to learn to feel music and how things connect on the fretboard and how they look and all these sorts of things. You know, so when we say we're self-taught, you know, I always try and explain to people self-taught is kind of like, and I'm not, I'm not disrespecting anybody that says that. I'm just saying self-taught is almost like you were on a, you know, a desert island by yourself with a, this instrument, this uh-huh. strange instrument and you you figured out how harmonically it functions you know we learn through you know i i had a couple of horrible guitar lessons when i was a kid and it didn't go well at all and i wound up quote unquote teaching myself too but you know i taught the same way you just or i was i was educated the same way you just said i i would go to a friend's house and i would see him play mm-hmm. a motley crew tune and i would go holy crap how do you do that yeah and um oh yeah you know exactly. and then start reading guitar magazines and and then you know which you might be a lot like me too you know i'm, I'm sure i'm quite a bit older than you but you know learning by ear was was essential when i was younger because you didn't have a lot of people around and right. the guitar lessons weren't geared toward exciting they were geared toward fundamental and so Right. You know, I, for me, learning how to play, you know, Highway to Hell by ACDC or learning how to play, you know, Cat Scratch Fever or something mm-hmm. like that, whatever it might be. And the, learning how to do it by ear, by listening to this thing called a record and then starting it over and over and over and just, just absorbing the idea. I think there's something to be said about the way you see music when you learn how to hear it and then figure out how it goes on your fretboard versus just you know, reading tab and things like that. So, you know, I think there's a lot of, just like I said, with the Montessori education, it kind of bleeds into that, you know, just because there may not be a physical person telling you to do this and that the materials are your instructor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways that you can learn. So, yes, yes, absolutely. So learning being the thing there, the thing about it is you, you know, if you take guitar lessons, they can be, they can be devastatingly dull, boring and counterproductive, right? That is absolutely right. Tell me about your first lesson that was bad. Well, when I, um, (laughs) I'll even go back a little bit further. When I was like nine years old, I was at my grandparents' house and my uncle gave me an acoustic guitar. And this was back in the old sort of Sears days where the guitar would have served better as like a bow and arrow than an actual guitar because the the strings were so (laughs) far from the neck. And I had this Mel Bay book. And that's all I had. Mm -hmm. And so I'm learning how to play like a C chord and a G chord. And I remember seeing uh, Ted Nugent on some show. I don't remember what he was doing, but they had this live footage of him. And he was playing like up above the 12th fret. And I kept thinking, that must be fake because my book doesn't ever go past the first three frets. (laughs) So that was my first experience. And then when I, when I, I was 13, when I took some more lessons and, um, you know, my teacher at the time had tried to teach me one of my first songs was Dust in the Wind by Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know how to play chords yet. And I was just, I was trying to learn how to finger pick. And, you know, I thought I, I, I just thought I wasn't capable of playing guitar. Yeah. And uh, later that. learning that, you know, maybe he was pushing a little bit too fast for, for a beginning guitar student. So 
I just wound up quitting them and, and just wound up going my own direction. So, Yeah, that, that makes sense. A lot of guitar teachers are kind of more wanting to show off. That's the worst kind. <laughs> yes. Think, you know, like the ones right. that sit you down and show something ripping as if that was just going to inspire you when it's kind of the opposite. There's so yeah, many moments of learning guitar where you see somebody do something and you just go, okay, well, that's amazing. And I am 100% sure that I will never be able to do that. That is the feeling well, that I always had. And then lo and behold, eventually I go, oh, that wasn't even that hard. You know, A year later, two years later, just something like, oh, I remember I used to think that was hard or, or impossible. And now here I am doing it. That is exactly right. The, uh, I remember even thinking, this is the worst of all. This is just a terrible mentality. I think I may have learned this from guitar, though, and I think it, it means everything. In the re- I mean, I think it's substantial for the rest of your life, too. But when I was a 10 years old, there was a kid at my church that played guitar, and he was good. And he was already really good. And I remember thinking as a 10, 12-year-old, like, well, I, I would have liked to have learned guitar, but it's clearly too late. He's so far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I really had that thought so clearly, and it wasn't until I was 16 till I got a guitar, and I was like, I don't know, I'll just goof around, but it doesn't, I really had the strong feeling like, oh, well, people have already been doing this, and they're good at it, and I've never, you know, I couldn't do it, and I, you know, it didn't take me that long to actually get good, a couple of years, I was immersed, and when I f- finally figured something out by ear, I was addicted, and I couldn't stop thinking about it, and trying to learn more, and all that, and then I realized how dumb that was, and I've, I've carried that through the rest of my life, that of course it's not too late, and I, I hope to keep I hope to keep that till I get old because I'm not afraid to get into something new now because of that one lesson that kind of stuck with me. Um, but that that's the way it is with guitar. It's just these giant mountains. And I, you know, I think your stuff does a really good job of showing people. I was watching your lesson of just how to solo with six notes. And I thought that is so brilliant. <laughs> I, you want to explain that to somebody? Because you could take, take a basic beginner um, that knew just some chords and you'd have them solo in like in five minutes. And that video has like, I don't know, five, five million views or, or, yeah. or something Yeah, you know, like it's that. funny because it's, it's the, the, the darkness of, and I'm just going to go into this for a second and then I'll talk about that a little bit, but the darkness of social media, social media has brought a lot of people together, but not always in a great way. And so I keep trying to preach to people that, you really have to understand that guitar playing cannot just be a competition. Like you can't just watch mm-hmm. a video of some some dude, you know, shredding out something or whatever it might be because you know, let's face it, in in the music realm, everybody isn't always very positive to each other. And so, you know, I I deal a lot with people that will post videos and then, you know, they'll get negative comments back and then they get all stressed out or they didn't get enough likes on a video and then they get all stressed out. Hmm. And trying to get them to understand to come back to 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 the the person itself, you know, stop trying to base your abilities on the abilities of somebody else. Use them as inspiration if needed. Mm-hmm. But the the big thing that I try and promote is is practicality. If you're at you can't see me right now, but if I made a fist and and we thought about that as being your core, these are the things that you really can do on the guitar. And there might only be, seven of them or there might be 20 of them or whatever it might be and you want to learn how to do x which is let's say you know 15 blocks away from where you are that's great and that's that's one of those things that keeps us dreaming and keeps us wanting it's the mountain that Mm -hmm. you just said but what we need to do and this is where my job is is trying to figure out okay if we want to get there how do we get to the the first block the first step and how do we make that something that is fun 
and it makes you feel mm-hmm. good about yourself and it makes you want to continue practicing the guitar to get to step two, to get to step three, to get to step four and so on. That's kind of the trick to the whole thing. And so like that that six uh, note mm-hmm. solo or whatever it's called, I, I, I haven't watched that for a long time. But, um, you know, all of these various videos that I put out are usually trying to be specific to some particular element that might you know jog interest with a, a viewer to get them to do something that they couldn't do yesterday so today they're doing something that they never thought that they could do and it's and it's working mm-hmm. so tomorrow then the goal is to to continue trying to develop that to something that now sounds authentic. I always use the word authentic with people. If you're going to do a vibrato or you're going to do a bend or you're going to play a power chord, play it authentic. It doesn't mean that you have to be the best at it, but it means it has to be sellable. When a viewer or when a listener hears you, they just accept it as music. Yeah. It's, right. you know, there's a difference between practicing and playing, you know? So that, that six note thing um, was just an idea of how to simplify the pentatonic scale Mm -hmm. because if you don't know the pentatonic and the pentatonic is a weird word and then there's major and minor and oh my gosh i'm all confused okay let's not think of it as a pentatonic scale let's just think of it as a couple of notes from the pentatonic scale that you can see from a power chord yep that's all you have to do that's right and of course yeah and 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 so people obviously are attracted to that I'll, i'll always get a response from somebody that will go well that's not enough you know they need yeah 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 but and of course i can't get into this conversation with everybody but that's what the steps are all about. You you know, I have one on modes too that's that's quite successful and it teaches the the basic understanding, the true basic understanding of what modes really are and how they connect. Now let's, does it get let's deeper? do that in a minute though. That'd be fun to do for some people because I get the mode question a decent amount too. But the uh, the uh, I want to tell I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but I just want to well, say the, the brilliant thing about the, that lesson that you have with the pentatonic scale, six notes in you know, you're basically just finding a spot and then you play your finger positions one three, one three, one three on three consecutive strings and you <laughs> locate it to you show them where it is located to the root or the chord that is being played. And then without knowing what the pentatonic scale is, you're already soloing so you don't have to learn the major scale you don't even have to learn the pentatonic scale all you have to know is these six notes are safe playing on this chord and then you're already stylizing which is what you were hitting on before when you say authentic you're talking about having your own style you choose the order you choose how long you stay on a note if you hit it hard or soft or bend it a little i mean you're already being creative and blown past the notion of fundamentals and scales and all that mental stuff that gets in the way you're already being expressive instantly and once you unlock that that's possible all you got to do now is like oh but i wish i had another note that was higher because i could hear that in my head and then of course you're going to figure that out once you once you reach that moment so i think that's a brilliant lesson yeah that's right matt and that's and that's the truth too is is that when people are learning you know they will take it to the next level if they're enjoying what it is that they're doing and so we as teachers can't always or as educators whatever you want to call it we can't always be pushing our philosophy on everybody else, you know. So I went to college and I studied music theory. That doesn't mean that every student that comes in is looking for, you know, deep music theory. Or, you know, some people aren't looking how to read the staff. I mean, everybody's looking for something different. And so it's not my job to look at somebody and go, yeah, but you shouldn't do that. You should do this, which is why when I used to teach you know, in-person guitar lessons, which I don't do anymore. But when I used to do that, I never used books. You know, I never had some sort of method book. I'd have them come in and go talk to me 
and tell me who you are and tell me what you want. Tell me what excites you about music and let's figure out how to get you there. That's that's what you do in lessons. Yes. So let's go ahead and do some mode stuff. So mo- a lot of people that listen to this podcast are interested in music or play music and stuff, not all, but um, I think people can hang with that, but that's a, a barrier. I think a lot of people learn the pentatonic scale, they learn the major scale, and then by the time modes come in, they kind of... All right, that might be a little bit much, but it's because it sounds confusing and the names are crazy. But tell me how you explain modes to people in a, in a, if they're already, you know, know the major scale, let's say. Sure. Okay, so if you already know the major scale, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, you know that there's seven different notes in that scale. And when you play them in that order, regardless of if you're starting on G or B or D or anything like that, it's always going to sound like major. Okay, so the most important thing is, is not just understanding those notes, but understanding the chords that go with each one of those notes. So what I always do is I teach people there's seven notes in the scale, but you really are only concerned about six of them from a from a harmonic or chordal standpoint, because the seventh chord is diminished. Mm hmm. Well, we don't use diminish very often. And when we do, we tend to in, in the, the pop world or the rock mm-hmm. world. The diminished chord, we may use diminished, but we don't usually use it in a theoretical setting. So I always teach people, one, four, five are always major, two, three, six are always minor. Right. Boom. Now you've you've just taught, like that. that's a really important element too, but mm-hmm. once you learn that, that you've got all of these essential pop and rock chord progressions figured out. So then I always uh, instruct them to understand like relative major and minor. Like if you're taking piano lessons, you learn that the one chord, if we're talking about the key of C, the one chord is C. Mm-hmm. And if we count up six, we get to A. Okay, so the sixth chord is A minor. Mm-hmm. If you look at a C chord on the guitar and you look at an A minor on the guitar, you're going to notice they look awfully similar. The only note that changes is the third finger. You move that third finger from a C shape to an A minor shape. So they're very similar visually for a guitar player. Okay, so we understand that one is major and six is minor. Mm-hmm. Even okay? more so on the piano, by the way. You know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so as they start playing this, then they start learning that the notes of a C major are no sharps, no flats. The notes of an A minor are no sharps, no flats. So then that's when I introduce them to the, the shocking truth that they're not even relative. They are the same thing. If you're playing an A minor scale, you are playing C major. They are the same thing. Mm-hmm. The only difference is, is if you're playing starting on A, you're emphasizing the note A, you're emphasizing the chord A minor, but they are the same thing. Mm-hmm. So in theory, yes, we can go all these deep places, but the truth is, is if we really break it down into its its most minuscule element, A minor and C major really are the same thing. So mm-hmm. if you learn to play a C major scale, you are playing A minor. Mm-hmm. So then the next logical question always is, well, if you can do that with C1 and you can do that with A minor 6, why can't you do that with 2? And the answer is, you can. You can. Yeah, you that's can. it. That's, that's what, good. That's it. So that's the beginnings of understanding how modes work. And then we make up these silly, well, I shouldn't say we make up, but we use these silly terms like Dorian. Mm-hmm. Well, I always teach my students, Dorian just means 2. That's yep. all it means. It just means 2. Now, again... This this modal thing can go very deep on notes that you emphasize and color tones and non-chord tones and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But when you're first trying to teach somebody, if you can get them to understand a C major scale and how if they take those six chords from C major and they emphasize the two chord in their, in their, their song that they're writing mm-hmm. or in their solo that they're playing, that they're emphasizing Dorian. That's right. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't flaws to a certain degree, but you start with that first 
block, that first step of getting them to understand the concept, and then you can keep moving from there. Yes. Yeah, that's neat. I mean, I, I've never even thought to say it that simply or, or to emphasize the fact that they not are alterations of scales. They are the same scale, just with a different focus, really, is what modes are. And if you know the that's relative right. minor, you already know a mode. That one's the sixth mode. It's called Aeolian. That's um, right. But, uh, and so that name, once you get into this weird mixolydian, people go, oh, I can't do that. It sounds like a hard math problem or something. <laughs> yeah. When mixolydian for us really just means five. It means That's five. That's all it means. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So, and again, if you love modes and you want to study it further, there's always further education with everything that we talk about, but at least it gets you on the map mm -hmm. and gets you creative and, and looking for answers on your fretboard. Well, the reason modes are so useful to me is once you take the, the next step after that, in my thinking, is always less about guitar shredding, which is not my forte, but it's more about the tonalities that you're able to create. So, you know, if the Dorian mode may be like the the original style version of the, the song Green Sleeves or, you know, that the way that has it essentially if you wind up focusing something like on let's say it's the six scale degree and it's the relative minor it has a different feel and so people are always when they're songwriting they're looking for a new feel or, or these other tonalities out there and modes are a good way to explore those the lydian mode will feel like a movie soundtrack and the mixolydian mode has a little bit of a Let's see. I don't have a descriptive word for that, but I know what it feels like to me but what you what basically happens is then you take that scale and you extract it, focusing on starting on two and ending on two, and now you have a different scale that has a different quality, and you've extracted out these principles and tonality where you have like a raised six of a minor or a flat seven on a major scale. But if you can use those and internalize them as new whole tonalities and scales in your songwriting, and that's what I've always found really good to break the habit of, you know, you're writing songs and you just feel like, well, this is just boring major key stuff you know so modes are a great way to extract stuff from from those focus centers and and see if you can get a different vibe in your songwriting is kind of the way i think they're useful right and another thing too you're absolutely right um in practicing you know for anybody that might be listening that's actually playing guitar you know, it's not just a matter of playing through the shapes on your fretboard. You need mm -hmm. to apply an actual chord underneath what you're trying to do. So yes. what I always tell people is just take a static chord, like just a, a C chord or whatever it is that you want to try and practice. It doesn't matter what it is. And just have that, you know, record yourself playing it for 16 measures or whatever it is that you use for, for practice. And then explore the sound of various modes over the top of that. So now you're not locked into a tempo. Mm -hmm. You're not locked into uh, a chord progression, which causes a whole you know set of complications on its own. You just start with, with even a power chord. And power chords are nice because power chords aren't major or minor. Mm -hmm. So you could take just a, a C power chord and practice playing, like he just said, like Matt just said, you could practice playing uh, major or Ionian over the top of it. Then you could practice playing Mixolydian over the top and hear the difference yeah. between the two. Because the, the scales and the shapes and everything that you learn in the fretboard, they, they really don't come to life until there's a chord underneath them so you can really hear how the notes are interacting with that chord. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the development. I mean, you've been doing this a lot longer than me. Well, not a lot longer. I'm probably older than you think that I am, but um, I'll be 40 in the coming up here in the next year and a half or so. So um, <laughs> I feel like it's crazy that I've been playing guitar so long because I remember when I started playing, I thought I got in late. And I'd be, I've only been playing three years. Like I was bragging that I'm this good after three years, but now I've just been playing for 20 years or something. So it just doesn't, and I don't yeah. get a lot better because I don't practice a lot or anything. But um, I've noticed, I mean, the guitar culture is so interesting and there's so much to it. And 
you know, we started doing guitar before there was any real way to share information. You had to take a lesson or learn on your own. And then about the time I was really learning guitar, there were magazines like Guitar World and things like that. So it was like tab, like holy crap, that's amazing right. that, that that I can find the Allison Chain song. You know, if if they put it in the magazine <laughs> next month, I'll get to learn it. You know, kind of a thing. That's and, right. And so I learned a little bit from that, but it was, still was so far off from today with where you can literally. It's just unbelievable to me. Once I had learned to the general proficiency level that I have and maintain. Um, None, all that, all my proficiency level was developed before there was anything like online lessons or or any download. You know, couldn't find the tabs for stuff. I mean, it didn't exist. And so there's good things and bad things about that, I suppose. But I, it's so turbocharged now. When a kid gets good at guitar, they just get into this crazy thing of YouTube and all this stuff, and they can just get so technical and so proficient so fast it used to be kids just sitting in guitar center trying to play uh, you know nirvana <laughs> yeah come right. as you are or something Stairway to heaven uh, yeah, and stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, that's how you learn you just get, but and you know what the way those players sound like it's so so bad but now the people that are like even just there's just these people that have just these unbelievable levels of proficiency that that have so little experience with playing playing in band being you know and it's just so, so bizarre how turbocharged the the you know talented people or people that put the time in it can get these days it blows my mind right yeah you know and that's something else that you try and explain to people too is is what are your goals because learning how to play guitar well doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be compatible in a band mm-hmm. you know that has to do with your personality um stage presence all of these different kinds of things that go into the performance of of playing and um you know learning how how to listen to a drummer learning how to listen to a bass player learning mm-hmm. learning how when your singer doesn't come in in the right place um or singing the wrong lyrics or whatever it might be and what you do as a band to try and make sure that it seems seamless to an audience that's listening all these different kinds of things that are above and beyond mm-hmm. just learning how to play scales really fast. So there's a, there's a real world perspective to playing too, that I, I always try and let people know, you know, th- because you're right. I mean, the, the thing is, is because our brains are wired the way they are. And this is, this is certainly, you know, something that I, I find in a lot of adults, they'll start practicing, you know, a scale and then they're just hell bent on speed or mm-hmm. technique or whatever. And, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that's wonderful if that's one of your goals. But it's always nice to step back and understand that if you're actually making a stew, the stew has all of these different elements in it. And if you put way too much cumin in your stew, it's going to taste bizarre. So the trick is, 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 I think, and it comes with age too, is that you start realizing that the more you can serve the, the song, and the situation that you're in and the less you're just serving yourself as far as how fast you can play. And believe me, I've been there. I, I've, I spent many years working the speed demon thing, but, <laughs> um, but just trying to figure out how to come back around to, you know, serving the song best, serving the band best. And so, and, and the audience. So, the, so everybody's enjoying what's happening, including myself. Um, but reminding students that it isn't just about, cause it's easy to become one dimensional mm-hmm. when you get excited about something, yeah. you know, so then they go, well, what am I supposed to practice every day? Well, if you're excited about something, it's, it's awesome to practice it two hours a day. But if you do that every day for the next six months, you're going to get great at that, but your improv skills are going to decline. Yeah. Your creativity, your songwriting is going to decline. If you're not on those things on a regular basis, they tend to start, uh, 
you know, fading away. And so mm-hmm. it's important to try and kind of keep up on different things. Yeah, that seems like it might be a more danger than ever, given that how much we do stuff alone and less in person. You have to, you know, have to, you know, I used to call them tab heads, but now it's probably more like YouTube heads. But it's the people that, like, if you know more than eight bars of a solo and master of puppets. And it sounds, and I'm at Guitar Center and you're playing an Ibanez through a crate thing, and it just sounds terrible. Like, that doesn't make sense. It makes no sense that you would know how to play that fast and know all those notes and have them memorized in that sequence because you learned it from a tablature and it sounds right. terrible <laughs> I mean, it's like you know there's just no no offense to Ibanez or Crate or anything of course but I'm right. just trying to make a stereotype but it's uh you know that's so out of balance you know it's just so it's almost unfortunate like why did you spend all that time learning these notes and you don't even know how to sound good like your right hand the way it hits the strings it doesn't even sound good to me and it's out of tune and the tone right. is terrible and you know those things are they're, they're more glaring than somebody that's just not as good but balanced right and that's the other thing too as, as a matter of fact is that people are so busy trying to get to the end it's like a race mm-hmm. trying to get to the end of whatever it is they're not thinking about the quality of what it is that they're trying to do and you know the approach that they're having to to make something sound again authentic's the only word i ever come up with good, i don't use great, words yeah. like professional I, I don't even know what the heck a professional mm-hmm. really is um but but just when you play if 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 you're one of those people that can just make somebody want to listen to you it doesn't matter if it's fast or slow or high or low or that's right. country or rock it's just whatever it is that's coming out of your body coming out of your fingers sounds right that's the, that's the trick and if it's fast great if it's slow great it doesn't really make any difference but always trying to get to the end of something as quick as possible and always trying to be somebody else you're just wasting your time yeah. you know you can't skip leg day <laughs> that's, right. that's right it's like you only do curls you know what's, what's that gonna turn yep. out? on your left hand i mean so yeah that's right yeah that's funny <laughs> um do you think though um here's something i ponder i have no evidence for this but i'm kind of curious when something like guitar which Again, it was it wasn't it was a, a fringe thing or an alternative thing, and of course, guitar has always been popular. But I'm wondering if there's a saturation level where you know, probably as the internet was coming on and we were having all this access to stuff, and music became so popular and rock music was so popular, it occurs to me that the peak of people interested in guitar, especially when I consider future and technology and and people's behavior, we may have seen the saturation level of everything guitar we may be post peak on on that do you think that oh i make yeah i think so i think so i mean there was there was a lot more incentive 20 years ago Mm -hmm. i mean there was a financial incentive there was yeah you'd be unique if you could play guitar and solo like if you could get to the level where you knew more than a g c and d like my dad probably know you know then that's right there was some incentive there that's exactly that's a good point that's right and you look at the decline of you know, album sales and all these different things that that cause issue. You know, if you're an up and coming band now, you know how do you make a living at it? You know, you can't sell CDs. You wind up selling merch and hoping that you can get gas money to get to the next show or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And I'm not saying that negatively. I'm just saying that it it really now more than ever has to come from the heart because it can't be because of the the um, the payoff. Mm-hmm. You know, where when I was growing up, I mean, I was born in 1970. I'm 47, so. Um, growing up in the 80s, there was all kinds of payoff. There was all kinds of fringe benefits to wanting to get on a label, and they were basically signing anybody that had big hair. You know, <laughs> so so you know, 
it, where the, the, the entire the entire landscape is different now. So I think that's one of the things that takes away from it is is the rock star dream. I'm not saying that it's not alive, but to learn the reality of what the dream is might turn people off from it, mm-hmm. you know? So... You know, I think it's also just to do with where technology is. Like, by the time we have all this stuff, it's so easy to learn, and it's less unique. You're, it's less standout. It's it's more mainstream than alternative culture to some degree. There's less incentive in that regard. Of course, we know people's attention spans are less, and it just seems like to me going for, and rock music is declining. I think it officially eclipsed by hip hop at this point, um, which yep. is fine. But uh, it's it it's like. <sighs> I mean, it's sad, but there's so many other things you can do creatively without having to put the 5,000, 10,000 hours into scale, right. scales and metronome. You can be, you, even if your desire is to be creative, there's so many other choices now. So, that's right. Like, if I look back and my daughter really wants to get into flute right now, I'd be like, well, maybe you want to consider just learning to do some computer based music, right? Like, I, I wouldn't tell her <laughs> yeah. to spend the, I don't yeah, even know right. if I would tell her to spend the time on flute. If she really wanted to, fair enough. But, like, where does that even lead is kind of, you know, like, who's going to really right. put in the time in the future? So, it's, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it, I, it gives me this interesting thought. Tell me if you follow on this. What if guitar declines so much? Like, people, our attention spans and the, the other ways of creating music have declined so much. If it, it, We may be about to hit a cliff or, or uh, where it falls all the way off. And if that happens... And I get to hang around another, let's say, 20, 30 years. Think about how cool that'll be. We'll be the only ones that know how to play guitar really good. And <laughs> that's right. younger people won't even know how. I think that'd be really yeah. neat if that happens. So that's my, my best case that's scenario right. for guitar being. And I don't know if that's true. I mean, there, I'm sure there's data that says. But it's, are you aware of that? If there's anything oh, out completely. there like guitar you, manufacturers you are down, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know, there's a few things that I think about. You you mentioned attention span, and I think that's huge. You know, when... When the other thing I think about was when we were growing up, you had these idols, you know, whether it be Eddie Van Halen mm-hmm. or for me it was Ace Frehley from Kiss, you know, whatever it might have been. But they were elusive. You only saw them in the magazine when your mom would bring you to the grocery store to actually see the magazine that they were on. Yep. So there was this mystique about them, or you'd have to watch Friday nights to catch whatever show to catch them performing live one song on whatever show this is you know now everybody's so inundated with youtube and everything there's there's nothing special about it anymore Mm -hmm. you know we had guitar gods so to speak they don't really exist anymore because now you can turn on youtube and see some kid from argentina that plays better than all of us right no no doubt so so i I, that's one of the things i think about a lot too is you know it, it makes the platform even for all of us but it also takes away for me, the the fun that I had as a kid of wanting to grow up and be a rock star, you know, I I probably could have been a doctor today if it hadn't been for Ace Freely. I could have been doing something I else. I know, right? You just <laughs> but, redirected all that to something even that's more. Right, that's right. That's right. I never never looked around. Never looked. Never looked to see if there was another path. I mm-hmm. just this is what I wanted. And um, you know, nowadays, yeah, I think I think that all of that is lacking. You know, the the, the physical. The physical CD or the physical album, holding on, holding on to an album, and like looking at the artwork and reading the the thank yous and knowing the names of the artists, and like you had you had stake in the artists that you loved. I was a huge Iron Maiden fan. I knew all their names. I knew when their birthdays mm-hmm. were. Yeah, I you know, know. I, I you know nowadays with digital, you you don't there is no artwork and there isn't 
albums. You know, you're not thinking side two, you know, the third song on side two. You're lucky if you listen to three songs by an artist anymore because, you know, people aren't thinking album anymore. I remember listening to a an interview with Lenny Kravitz on Howard Stern where he was talking about old cats like him still think album. They still think what's the, what's the first song for side B. And then he has to remind himself that he's better off releasing singles because nobody's buying albums anymore. Right. That Which is, is just, true. So the whole mentality is just different. So your approach, tell me about the transition, how you went from making, you know, doing years and years of one-on-one lessons to how you don't do one-on-one lessons and how, how what's different about that. Because, you know, like it's, it's very easy to custom tailor something to the one person, you know, but if, yeah. I, if I do a group lesson with three people and they're at different levels, I'm already like, well, I don't want to yeah, leave right. one person in the dust versus the other. But tell me from a business standpoint, like what's good, good about it and just actually what are the dynamics of it? Sure, of course. Well, it was probably four years ago now, four or five years ago. Um, at that time, I was working multiple, multiple jobs, playing in multiple bands, and I was just physically burning out. I was just, I was falling out of energy. I was working all the time. I was never home with my family. You know, before that, I was playing in a lot of bands on the road a lot. And I, my, my oldest daughter, I wasn't home a lot. And um, I started dabbling with putting stuff on the internet, but I had no marketing skills. I had no idea what I was doing. What I, all I would do was I would just go to any website that had quote unquote guitar lessons Mm -hmm. that you could sign up for to be a teacher. And I would just sign up for anything and everything, hoping that I could make something online work. I was out of time. I had no more time to teach. So my thought was if I could start teaching like a class online, Mm -hmm. I could do 10 lessons for the, 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 the time of one. Right, And so that's where it all kind of started, and I guess it sort of worked, because then uh, the the guy, one of the guys that I work for, his name is uh, Dan Denley out in, in uh, California, he owns a company called Guitar Zoom. So he got a hold of me, said, hey, I saw one of your videos, and I'd like to talk to you about you know doing some work for me, blah, blah, blah. And ultimately what happened was, by the grace of God, he, uh, as I got to know him, he goes, look you're going to send yourself into an early grave living like this. He goes, what do I need to do to get you to slow down and just start working for me? How much do I need to pay you? So you don't, you don't keep doing this. And I, you know, I've always done my own thing. I've always had all of these different jobs and I've never had somebody kind of approach me like that. And so I told him, I said, well, this is how much I make. And he goes, well, I can't, can't afford you now, but hopefully sometime in the near future, I can do that. And uh, it was Christmas again. I don't know if it was four years ago or whatever it was, he goes, I'm going to do it. I'm That's gonna, great. I'm going to pull man. the trigger and, and you're going to, I'm going to, and it was weird because January one comes, I'm quitting all my jobs. I'm calling everybody. And about a week later, I'm sitting at my, my uh, dinner table uh-huh. and I, it's just quiet in the house. And I'm like, I haven't experienced this my entire life. Cause I started teaching when I was 17 and everything has just been a whirlwind whirlwind from there. And it was like, I, the silence was just deafening, just sitting by myself. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, it took me a while to kind of get used to the pace of, of slowing down. And then, you know, every day I wake up and think about what, what can I do today to make something that's beneficial to somebody. So, you know, now I've slowly gotten back into doing a little bit of lessons. Like I live in a little town outside of Fargo called, um, Kindred. And I do a group guitar class out here, not because I have to financially, but because I miss mm-hmm. the light bulb 
Yeah. I miss being around a group of people and making them laugh and and having fun and, and teaching them about guitar. And so I don't do it very often, but I, I do it once in a while. I have these classes and and it just feels really good to be at a pace that's comfortable again and and enjoy teaching again. You know, the the one-on-one thing. Mm-hmm. Where when I'm when I'm in my studio, it's great because I can literally talk about anything. Like I could I can go on you know, forums, I have all kinds of things that I, I, you know, I've got hundreds, if not thousands of ideas for content that I can create because I know what people want from teaching and I know what people want from reading, you know, on social media, what kind of stuff they have questions about. But it's nice to be able to wake up and go, it's not teaching G, C, and D 15 times a day. It's today I really am going to talk about an arpeggio or today I really am going to talk about the Lydian mode or something yeah. like that. So it's, it's, it's creatively, you know, freeing for me. So. so instead of the model where you just do your lessons on Skype, but one-on-one, or get higher level t- people, or get paid a higher, higher dollar amount per hour, the model is more along the lines of, and again, I think it's interesting because of the uh, because of the possible ways of thinking about education broadly, even outside of guitar. Because can you, gosh, I just can't get away from that, but can you imagine if you could get the parallel interest that you had in guitar that made you never want to do anything else, and for every person's particular interest, you know, across the board and then have mechanisms for them to learn that are so good like this. Because what you've done, I think, if I'm understanding it correctly, is instead of tailoring the lesson to the individual, you're taking the big data or data sense of all the questions you've heard that are the most common and you already know what the most mental barriers are and what to break through. And instead of tailoring it exactly to that person's thing you just know i get to talk very in depth about arpeggios and i can picture in my mind a very specific student that's backed up by numbers because i've done this a hundred times or a thousand times and then the people that need that exact lesson that already know the prerequisites will gravitate toward or find that exact video at that time so it will be right right for them when they find it that is exactly Mm -hmm. right and then of course i teach i create content sellable content through guitar zoom as well so i'll i'll create guitar courses and some of the courses are i mean all of it is from my experiences of teaching of course so i might create a course that is tailored toward a beginner in the seventy-five thousand lessons i've taught to beginners (laughs) using what's in my brain Mm -hmm. of this is step one to step two to step three to step four to at least get you on the board right Mm -hmm. i mean because you can't do anything unless you learn a couple of scores and you can't do anything unless you learn how to strum to a certain degree Right. right it might not be perfect but but you need certain tools and then i'll create guitar courses that are more tailor fit to someone who's looking for arpeggios or someone who's learning how to speed pick or somebody who wants to learn modes or somebody who wants to learn how to solo um, so I'll create guitar courses for those. And then like we've got guitar clubs and the clubs are more based off of, okay, instead of getting a four hour video or guitar course that might be too much for you, here's a 30 minute lesson for you to absorb in 30, 30 days, right? Mm-hmm. Until the next one comes out. Here's, here's something for you to take and try and utilize in your playing to change the way that you play. And that's always been the big thing because let's be honest, YouTube is wonderful for them and for us. It's wonderful for them because they get to learn all kinds of different things. It's wonderful for us because it's a pile of confusion, Mm -hmm. right? 
Because you, you can't make sense of things out there. If you type in arpeggio, you're going to get 85 yeah, exactly. different videos. And, of course, you don't know what's, what came before or what came after it. And so, you know, that that's the, the problem with YouTube. So the solution for me that I always think about, it's, it's organization. Like, my job is to feed people information. But most importantly, I got to try and it comes back to that block thing, that step thing. You're trying to give them organization in a chronological order that makes sense that can help them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now where we're at, as I speculate on technology, is the skill now is not just the information, because that's what we thought about the internet early on. It's just, well, put the information out there or something, that's and right. it doesn't matter how it looks or feels or comes across, and put all of it out there, and people can do the work sorted out. Now it's really a curation issue, and as we move forward, it's going that's going to increase, uh, you know, according to... To, to me at least but you can imagine a film director has could have 90 cameras from every possible point of view when he goes to capture versus Stanley Kubrick having just the right angle planned out then he had to get it one take with film you know what I mean like you, knowing what and how to choose the right thing out of larger and larger sets of things is definitely the skill of the future um and YouTube can be a mess like that. Just bad organized videos on arpeggio, that's that's rough. But there's something I've I found that's really interesting to me right now that I'm learning a lot on is Instagram. And I think that's crazy because I never really thought that much about it or took it seriously. But I'm following different hashtags now on Instagram. And this really translates really well. So I'd follow a couple ambient guitar hashtags. And also, uh, just, just as a parallel, because I think this is just interesting, outside of guitar, I do a little bit of construction and woodworking as a hobby. You know, it's nothing, it's just same as it, guitar used to feel to me. And so I follow a couple of woodworking things. So if I Google woodworking, how to learn to do something, I don't even know what I'm looking for because I'm a sure. re- basically a beginner. I just build little things that built this table. But, you know, but with almost nothing, I just kind of, teach myself i'm in that mode i'm in the curiosity mode but i can't sort through all this stuff so on instagram i'll see an eight second video of somebody using a tool that i don't know what it is and i go ooh. now i know and, and this person is good and they they make these short videos or whatever it is and if it's not interesting i'm just scanning on by but it's feeding me new things and i can see a new pedal that somebody has to make an ambient sound and i and i'm either interested or i'm not but i can learn right away and it's coming from a trusted source so i either follow that trusted source or at least take the name of that tool or the name of that pedal and now I know what I'm off and learning and that web of learning is just endless and it's focused and it's useful and it's just crazy you know and so it's like um that's just terrifically exciting to me and it, it seems like it's <laughs> this is just my pet thought but it just blows away classical and school education so much I'm so excited about where we're at with that whole thing but uh Instagram is because it's the shortest little consumable, you can't put much on there. And I've just found that to be incredible, but it's a matter of being careful, monitoring what you follow on Facebook, get rid of the stuff that's dumb and just keep curating what the algorithms are feeding you. This is how we're going to learn in the future is you got to manage those algorithms and they're going to spit at you. You know, you got to, you got to do battle with them. They're partly going to decide what you see, but you got to curate that. And then hopefully there's other people curating the best ideas and they'll float to you. That's a really dense thing. And I think it's going to open up a lot of stuff for a lot of people to learn a whole lot. And so you're, right out there doing that with the thing with guitar here which is you know just how i came up and it's it's really neat it's really neat to see it's inspiring that you can stay with it and uh, you know have that heart to continue to teach people and do that it's just exciting to me 
if I if I uh, didn't know better, I would think you've studied some marketing because everything you said is absolutely perfect. Okay, That's right. good. No, I, no <laughs> I, don't, I don't study marketing. I don't really like that. Uh, I try to avoid marketing in a, some degree, but you know, I, I I pay attention when somebody else does it effectively. I'm like, wow, that that certainly worked. You know, like I'm interested in how that works, but I don't. I I pretty much what I'd consider to be a failure of marketing my own stuff. I I always I have that impulse problem where I'm, I'm on to the next thing once this conversation's done I, I, you won't see me on social media <laughs> promoting it for the next two weeks I, I I just want to put it out and then I'll be on to but I'm excited right now I can tell you that yeah, right and I, but I won't I'll be on excited about something else tomorrow it, it won't be promoting sure, the other thing that I did <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's funny because that's you know it, we live in a world where if you don't catch somebody in the first mm-hmm. five to ten seconds, they're moving on to something else. And, um, you know, I just, I, I think for me, I've always tried to separate like with the, the guys that I work with. My job is to, is to create content. Their job is to figure out how to get it to yep. people to see if they're interested. And that way it keeps what I do less about business and more about philosophically offering somebody, again, from my heart a, as best I can. Mm-hmm. And, I've just always felt that way. And for me, it and I'm not trying to get all weird, but for me, it's always been, for me, it feels like God is, that's what God has given me to be able to do my job is the ability of being able to to meet somebody and give off. Because when they first meet me, they they probably look at me with my hair and stuff and go, well, you know, he probably does drugs and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it's it's always that that sort of weird thing. But once they get to know you, they go, wow, he's just a really a nice guy and he's really short. So, uh I'm glad I have that availability to be able to to reach people and have them go, wow, he's he's not a jerk and he doesn't seem self-absorbed and it seems like he's actually trying to do something, which is which is nice. Do you have anything to say about what I identify as the, probably the most important factor here is the amount of drive and focus you have on one topic over time? That's because if you told anybody out there that you, you met when they that was 16 that had marginal amount of talent at something, maybe just medium and you told them you're going to spend another 20,000 hours on this and you know you're going to still be doing this in 20 years you could be certain that that person's going to be good at whatever that thing is it could be stand-up comedy it could be woodworking it could be guitar if you knew that you were going to have the same amount of drive that you have now across time and still enjoy it like you do of course you're going to be magnificent at, at something. But can you sure. speak to how, that, and, and that's what's so weird, is like people just do things for a little while and quit. Can, do you have any insight on what could cause you to be so, to care about one thing so much for so long and, and re- retain that drive? Because if it was just about cashing in on your knowledge or making money, your life would be totally different, obviously. And I don't think you'd be yeah. a good a teacher if it wasn't as authentic right. as it is. Right. What, what yeah, I think I that? think the most important thing, to be honest with you, it's got to be motivation. Like people need external motivation. Like they're they're always they're willing to pay somebody to learn how to get healthier. Or they're willing to pay somebody mm-hmm. to go to a gym to do whatever. The the trick is learning how to motivate yourself, and you can use other tools to to make that happen. But it's it's becoming stagnant and bored that makes you want to quit whatever it is. And so you have to constantly try and find like like for me, there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not on YouTube or reading a magazine or something looking for something 
to get me excited or watching a video of a guitar player or a band that I really like or a documentary. You know, I just watched this uh, this documentary called um, Hired Guns. Mm-hmm. And, and it just gets me excited about playing. So the goal is is to find ways to stay excited. And what's really awesome for the younger generation is now y- you don't have to have these dreams of, of writing music and someday getting in a studio and recording it. You can do it from your house. You can do it from your iPhone. You know, if you, if you have the right motivation to make things. Again, it, the motivation can't be financial. The motivation right. has got to be you know, it's got to be self-contained. You've got something inside you that continues to keep you motivated. So that's one thing that I would say is, is learning how to keep yourself motivated because people, this is where the dirge of, again, theory and scales and all these things can really come down on people because they're missing the bigger picture of hitting that A chord through a Marshall loud and how that feels Mm -hmm. and how that makes you excited that the sound of that thing, because we're so wrapped up in the details we forget about the bigger picture sometimes so that's one thing i would say to people is you got to find ways you know for me the the ways are things i see things i read things i hear you know i'll I'll turn on serious radio and i'll be listening and i'll hear some song and and it'll make me go oh that was a cool little chord progression i'm gonna go home you know i'll write it down or record it and then i'll go home figure out what that thing was you know just staying staying excited and staying motivated yeah so is that so you spend time staying motivated and interested on how to teach better um and are you still saying i mean is it true that you still care about developing your guitar abilities more and more like what would that even be for somebody like you at this point well like, i'll tell what you, are you this. trying to here's, learn okay here's here's exactly it the more i vo- motivate myself and my playing the more i get motivated to want to teach people other ideas from that concept that i was I was just studying. So it isn't so much about watching. Again, I have 10,000 URLs of things that, you know, I can talk about this and this and this. I got stuff written in books and I just got a mess of ideas of different things. But what what motivates me the most is if I come across something new for myself, it gets me excited about my playing, which then in turn becomes something that I can talk about to somebody else. It may not be exactly that same thing. It might be diluted. It might be steps back from whatever it was that I was learning. But there's some element out of it that that I go, okay, that's that that excited me. So I'm going to turn around and create something that can excite somebody else from that. So tell me the last thing or the next thing that you learned or want to learn in your playing and don't dumb it down be very specific just as your own language to yourself tell me what you're learning where, where, okay. where, right now i've been super motivated by it was in a i think it was a guitar techniques book or magazine it was an interview with andy timmons andy timmons i don't know if you know who andy timmons is but he is absolutely one of my favorite guitar players um he he just has a wonderful sense he's almost like a cross between lincoln brewster and eric johnson mm-hmm. And, and he's just got, he's just got a wonderful sense of melody. And in this magazine, there's a section in there where there's a video where he not only plays, but he talks about what he did and why he did what he did. So he starts off by saying, first of all, I didn't improvise this thing. I sat down, you know, guitar techniques or whatever magazine it is, you know, sent me this track to solo over. So I sat down and I thought about these chords and how I connect them together to write something. 
And I loved his his creative writing approach. Improvisation for me is really important, but people get lost in improvisation because they're so busy focusing on techniques, uh-huh. including myself, that we forget to make a connection to the music. So that was hugely inspiring to me was to listen to him talk about all these crazy ways that he thinks about how he's making these connections from these chords as it, as it moves through the, the instruction. I always thought it would be cool to have a guitar magazine where instead of talking to Zach Wilde about some Aussie song or talking to whoever, you know, Steve I about some Steve I song, is to have them jam over an actual track, like a realistic mm-hmm. human song, and go, now let's talk about what you did and why you did it. Yeah. Because it would give people insight. It probably would break down the, you know, the the wall of secrecy and all those sorts of things. But at least you'd, you'd get to, to see inside the brain of a player that you like and how they would approach something that you would play mm-hmm. versus, you know, how, how Zach wrote Miracle Man or something like that, you know, something, something more realistic to a, a daily approach, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah, that is interesting. The mental, it doesn't matter how proficient you could ever get or what BPM you could play. There's, n- there would never be a time when you've mastered the art of composition or improvisation and that that's right. that there, there's no ceiling to that and to me i think the thing i wish i had done more of or i wish i could get the motivation to do is learn to you know really get into the artistic side of what you're saying but it has to be somewhere in improvisation that i feel like improvisation for me splits into two things there's the one where it's all about techniques and if you learn the fundamentals then you'll be able to pretend like you are improvising (laughs) which is not the same thing that's what i did that's That's how i learned to play i learned to pretend like i was improvising but who can improvise is somebody like charlie parker or somebody they somebody that has a virtuoso on some instrument to where them and the instrument like all they're doing is speaking and it just comes out the instrument and they're they're not thinking anything when they improvise which i don't even know if that's improvised i mean i guess it is but it's just like being it's being present it's singing it's being you being expressive and your cello is connected to you and it's it's an extension of you i think that's what anybody that would be the ultimate most satisfying non-cognitive way to play to play music and i certainly can't do that but that is what i think would be like the highest possible goal and Almost nobody ever does that, you know. That's right. And That's so right. It's well, endless. and the cool thing for you, Matt, is that you get to you 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 get to create music on a regular basis, you know, where a lot of people don't have that opportunity. So for me it's always it, it's trying to explain to people there's a balance between like what you just described perfectly about improvisation and mimicking improv versus right. authentic improv. And then the availability of being able to sit down and create something that you can feel good about yourself. Again, it, it may or may not be heard by the masses, but at least because so many people, we deal with a, a large audience, but I, I would think, you know, the majority of our audience is probably over the age of, you know, 35, 40 years old. And they still have this mentality that writing songs is something that the other guys do. Right. Something that the yeah. big boys do. No, that's so, they don't really, so wrong. That's right. So if your kids you can make introduce- up, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. But your kids will make up a song. All they got to do is when they're making up a song about brushing their teeth tonight when they're four, all you got to do is not stop doing that until you're 40. And the songs that you continue to make up, I assure you, will be really good. Yeah, th- that's right. 34 that's years right. later. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, it's it's getting people to understand that it's not just about soloing. It's about creativity it's mm-hmm. about songwriting it's about connection to music and it's not just about moving your fingers across a fretboard 
And so I guess that brings us back full circle to what we were talking about earlier. But that's how I think people stay motivated. If you're if you're deep in scales and you're finding yourself getting bored, you, you got to shift gears, man. You got to do yeah. something else. There's a video. My favorite video is, uh, I don't know what exactly it is, but I was watching some videos of... Joe Pass one time and he was just somebody was asking him to explain how he thinks or what he plays and he just acts like he doesn't have any idea of what he's doing but he's just he, like, he's explaining as he goes and he's playing of course four note you know chord <laughs> melodies improvising you know and unbelievably like I can he just absolutely I was like each chord I would love to spend 10 minutes thinking about that he's doing as he's just improvising <laughs> right. with four notes at a time there and he goes oh you know the dominant whatever like he like he doesn't he acts like he's not even in his brain what he's doing it's just four to six you know two to six notes at a time <laughs> connecting them unbelievable chromaticism everything all over the place and it's like his right. brain's not even really on he's like i don't if you ask him how to do it he acts like he doesn't wouldn't know how to explain it it's unbelievable <laughs> that's right yeah and those are the guys that unfortunately you wish you could tap into their brains can't. and what they're yeah. you can't yeah, yeah. You, you, you they're they're beyond the rest of us so. yeah <laughs> that's awesome do you ever listen do you uh, do you follow or do anything jazz like at all no you know it's not that i don't enjoy jazz it's just People always ask me, like, well, you know, do you study bass or do you want to play ukulele or mm -hmm. would you like to play banjo? I can't seem to find enough time just to practice the things that I'm doing right now. And then I feel really guilty if I try and sidetrack to something else. So <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, you know, I, so no, I, I, I enjoy listening to it sometimes, but I have this curse, as I'm sure a lot of other musicians do, where when I listen to something, I need to know what's going on and mm -hmm. I need to figure out what's happening. And then it brings me on a whole nother. You know, now I'm watching cat videos for 10 hours and I'm completely sidetracked on something else. So I try and stay in the world that I'm that I'm practicing in because like I, when I go to bed at night, I can't sit and listen to music because I can't shut my brain off. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. So jazz is one of those things where someday I'm going to have time to study it further, which means I'll be able to listen to it more. Yeah. But it's but not for now, casual. I just need to, you can't sit there nah, casually right. and not analyze what you're hearing, so it was just frustrating, right? <laughs> I had a professor once that told me that the true status of becoming a musician is when you can learn to listen to music on a casual level again yeah that's when right when you can learn to just listen to it and enjoy it i'm not there yet I, you know I that's that a, that's really interesting you say that because i hadn't thought about it like that but i've i always tell people now like well they ask me what i'm listening to and i usually am like listen i don't don't listen to a lot of music right now i don't know what to tell you but i just don't uh unless i'm trying to write for a new album otherwise i'm probably listening to podcasts or doing something else entirely because i can't I mean, the whole reason I listened to music so much was because I was trying to figure it out. And so when I'm hearing music, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on, and it's quite distracting. That's <laughs> so right. If it's yeah. if music's on, I'm thinking about it. I'm not. That's right. It's, it's very hard unless it's something I've just listened to enough times and can feel it or something. But it's very hard to listen to music because it takes my. I'm, I will con if it's on. I will concentrate on it. So that's right. That's my wife. It drives my wife crazy because I listen to a lot of talk radio when we're in the vehicle. But that's exactly why. Yep. Because if it's music, then I'm, I'm trying to think about yep. this, and oh, I got to remember this, and that was really cool, and what was going on there, and, right. and um, yeah. So talk radio works for me. That's great. Well, Steve, it's very exciting to talk to you. But you know, just it's inspiring. You know. Uh, it's inspiring just the way that you're thinking. I didn't know we have as much to talk about or being in common because we could have we could do obviously it's completely infinite and endless <laughs> what to talk about. We covered a whole bunch of different things that are all interesting to me. So I can say I very much enjoyed this conversation and appreciate your time. 
Thank you, and I appreciate it as well. I appreciate you getting a hold of me and and your time as well. So, what um do you like people to do? You like people to go to guitarzoom.com? Yeah, head over to guitarzoom.com. That's probably the best place to mm-hmm. go to try and get a hold of me and see what kind of stuff we have. Uh, the other thing would be to just head over to YouTube and look up Steve Stein and see if you find some stuff on there. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's it's hard to reply to everybody all the time because there's just so much that comes in, but. But just know that we're, you know, I have people that work with me too that are always looking at your stuff. And if you have questions, we're trying to help you with, with uh, getting the right answers. Yeah, go find that video of how to solo with six notes. If you if you're a person that thought well, I'm not going to figure out how to solo, I promise you can. This lesson will get you doing in a minute. And there was some other improvisational uh, exercises in there about arpeggios and interval playing <laughs> that I thought were great. So you just right there on YouTube, you can go you know jump in and maybe Steve will help you break a barrier. But any barrier you have there, there's if you could find the right thing, find the right inspiration, I bet you could pop through it. So I'd love to hear more people playing guitar, and hopefully it's not a lost art. But thank you, Steve. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take care. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.